1: Or today on c 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now this the month of September has been designated Pain Awareness Month and joining me this morning is Dr Dominic Hegarty who is a consultant in pain management at the Martyr Private to discuss the various types and symptoms of chronic pain that affect people here in uh, Cork. Good morning to you Dr Hegarty. Good morning Patricia. Well you're welcome to the program. I suppose the first question is how prevalent is chronic pain amongst Irish adults?
0: Well firstly I suppose a small definition of when we say chronic pain, we mean something that's persisting, present for over about three months or more. That's the first thing. That's the big difference between acute and a chronic And once you take that on board, it's been well established for many years now that at least one in five individuals will complain of a pain that is there on a constant basis that's obstructing them on a day-to-day basis or interfering with their activity level. And that's a phenomenal number. If you think of the number of people who are just listening to your program on a daily basis, one in five of them could complain and could compare themselves to having pain in this element itself. So that's it's a lot of people. So 20% of people would have this issue and it stops them going to work it stops them having a better quality of life it stops their sleeping pattern and for many people it just is something that they live with um, but it's still very very difficult
1: I can I just even the thought of living with something like that on a daily basis is, and as you say would interfere in their life so much that it, people may have to give up work I'm assuming your mental health would suffer if you're living in chronic pain
0: absolutely That's the hidden and the silent factor behind it. I suppose, Patricia, many people have the concept of persons with chronic pain as sitting at home, perhaps a little elderly, perhaps immobile, perhaps not doing very much, but it's quite the opposite. Um, very often it's, it's a younger individual uh, who is trying to hold down a job, trying to get into the office and trying to get through things or uh, act, act and deliver the kids to school and they're suffering as much and yes they're getting by with it themselves but the stress factor that that comes on their quality of life the mental health element is very important indeed. About four or five years ago I did a study of myself around the, with the college and we were looking at the self-esteem so the early markers of individuals how are they dealing with it and 60-70 percent of individuals were affected even No, they they weren't fitting into the psychology of it. They were en route to it. And it was simply because they had this pain embedded into their daily activity single day and of course there was frustration involved because they weren't able to treat it or they didn't want to be on medication and as you said they were being taken away from their family life, from their business life etc. So that's a huge uh, issue behind it itself.
1: And then there's a thing called persistent post-surgical pain and I'm assuming somebody goes forward for surgery because they were in pain and then they have the surgery thinking I'm going to be fine after this and then they end up with this post-surgical pain.
0: Absolutely indeed, and it's very disheartening. You know, surgeons go to solve a problem and, and, for example, an individual may have had a life-threatening condition. They may have had cancer surgery, for example. They may have had breast surgery, you know, surgery to their lower limb, for example, and they come home with more pain than they go in. That's very frustrating, but it's a fact of life. And depending on the type of surgery you have, you, you see quite a number of, of of ranges of this. For example, someone who might have had an inguinal hernia repair, a chap who's been playing football, his hernia and his groin has been an issue for him. 15, 20% of those individuals will end up with a degree of pain that would be classified as chronic and stops them on a day-to-day basis. Knee surgery, knee replacement, 20, 30%. Uh, and an area that I do a lot of work in is lumbar discectomy, et cetera. 30% of those individuals continue to have pain, even though surgically speaking, the surgery has done very well, everything seems to be in order, but they're left with this element itself. So when you take into account that nearly 400,000 surgical operations go on in Ireland every single year, that's a lot of people, if one in five or perhaps 20% of those individuals end up with a pain that stops them. And that's very important. It erodes, as you said already, the mental well-being, the daily living activities. So it's important. It is such an important factor for people to be aware of. And that's why it's great to bring that phrase out today awareness because people shouldn't be like this and sometimes it's because they're left behind they forget that they can be without pain Um, and sometimes it's the individual is so happy to have their operation done yeah. that they'll say, you know, a little bit of a pain here and there, I'll get over it. Um, they've had the relief of maybe having their, their, their cancer surgery or their knee replacement that's been waiting for many, many years. Some, in some situations, as you know yourself, this can be very disheartening to them. And they put up with it and people are very brave to put up with it. But there are options and I think that's the other other part and of the th- And that's the message there we're, there. Try-
1: we're trying to get out to people today. You know, there are, are, are mm-hmm. solutions. So talk to us about what, what treatment is available
0: the first treatment is is the awareness to speak with your GP and that could be very simply looking at oral medication, proper activities, proper physical rehabilitation and that can gain an awful lot. But many of the patients who would attend to my clinic if you like in in my scenario they've gone past that and they usually end up with some form of an intervention. Now what does an intervention mean? That's essentially an injection. Looking at the nerves that are going to a knee, a joint, a back etc. that can be anaesthetized can be uh, treated and can be made sure that it can actually stay away going forward and something very simple can solve a lot of problems for individuals so i'd have a a gamut if you like of injections and specific injections that would help individuals get back on their feet reduce their oral medication and it's 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 fantastic when people come in and you can offer them this um option to get right for example um Hip pain, very common issue itself. We've just published last week, myself, some work on individuals with chronic hip pain, treating certain elements, gluteal tendinopathy. It's what is called pain around the side of the hip with some new techniques. You know, 60, 70% reduction in the pain within a number of weeks. It makes a big difference. This makes a difference for people they can go back walking, driving the car, even maybe getting back, doing a little bit of life golf, golf or just going to see the game. Whenever we get back to see our GA matches, we'll be able to go to the sideline and see these things again. So the simple things can work. It's important that individuals realise that there are options there for them.
1: And is that the aim to reduce oral medications?
0: It's one of the aims um, because you, you, you're, it's, it's something people don't like taking. The common word people will come into me, their um, objectives will be say, I don't want to get hooked on medication. I've heard so many bad stories around medication and and they just want to stay away from it. And, and quite rightly so medications are in my mind tools and they have limits great if they help but if they're not helping why should you be taking them and the intervention option really is focused it helps people make the difference between being on tablets on a regular basis to something that you can actually move around with relatively freely with and that's that's, that's a big bonus Um, and in this day and age when there are so many problems with with cost of medications uh, in the health service. Uh, so many individuals struggle to get by on their tab- tablets, that you just have to look at the options that are there for them.
1: Okay, some questions in a listener says I have lived with chronic pain for 30 years in the morning. I can't get out of bed. I'm so stiff. Every bit from my fingers to my toes, my neck and back, uh, particularly stiff with pain. Nobody can see pain and stiffness because I walk and look all right. but I have to live with this uh, chronic uh, pain. I've tried lots of different treatments uh, over the years but it's particular the shoulders and neck that end up so stiff and with pain. Neck pain is quite common, isn't it? Dominic.
0: It is very common. I mean, again, I would see probably 30%, 35% of the individuals who come to uh, to, to, my, to, to, to see me would be presenting with neck or upper uh, limb pain, or there was pain going down the hand. Very often, then, when you when you speak to them and you listen to the pattern of the pain, there's a headache involved. It comes from the back of the head itself. And it can all be generated around from the cervical spine. That's the, the bony area behind the, the neck area. And it can be something from a little bit of overuse. You see even now at present, um, Patricia, people attending in and they're saying, I've, I've, I'm getting headaches and neck pain that I didn't get before. They're working from home. People are working from home, perhaps in environments environment that isn't ideal, and maybe spending longer in front of the computers. Simple things can trigger off that kind of pattern that 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 caller has just identified for you. Muscular skeletal pain, myofascial pain that's driving to the area itself. And again, with some very simple workup, perhaps an MRI to make sure that there's no what we call red flags, no pathology that needs to be rectified. Then some simple injections around the neck area all under x-ray can be very fruitful, can really change things around for individuals and simple things like driving the car becomes feasible again. Um, Reading the newspaper, holding the the paper up can be a big bonus. So there's very simple things that can be looked at, but it's all about listening to how people come in uh, with their story, making sense of it, Um, And then then approaching it in a very sensible fashion.
1: I'm trying to give people back some kind of quality of life. Uh, A listener says, um, uh, hi, uh, C103, I've awful back pain, also a frozen shoulder. I've had it for years. I did get injections. I've also tried physio. I've ended up now I can't lift my shoulder only halfway up. Is there help available for me?
0: Certainly straight off, and that there would be, I mean, what that needs is to be investigated a little bit more first to be sure that it is frozen shoulder, and if it is, there's what we call injections or intra-articular injections can be to inject to the joint. If that individual may have had three or four years ago, uh, we've come forward in terms of what we can inject, so it may be well worth re-looking at that as a possibility. And of course it may be the situation depending on individuals' um, maybe age group and, and what they want from it, Uh, surgery may be an option, but we need to make those decisions. Uh, Pain management can help avoid that and can help lead people to make those decisions and give them the reassurance, the right way to go. So something like frozen shoulder is very disabling for an individual, particularly if it's on their dominant hand or their their more stronger hand for writing, driving the car, even going for a walk can be quite painful. And of course, that sets the whole thing off in in an awful way. Keeping it nice is is an issue with these shoulder pains as well, you know.
1: When you talk about the injections, Dominic, how long do they last? How long do you get benefit from an injection?
0: um, Again, it depends what you inject a little bit. Um, So if you're looking at steroid injections, you would be expecting uh, things to improve over a period of two to four weeks with the anticipation that you could get several weeks of recovery from it. The principle of using steroid is to help the body recuperate quickly. So you're hoping by giving it a kick start, if you like, that the body picks up the initiative. But that's not the way it always works for individuals. And, for example, someone who attends me who's failing in that respect, I then use temperature to denervate or to switch off the nerve fibers, let's say going to the shoulder area, to, to say, look, we, we know this pain comes from the shoulder. We know it's not uh, an issue that we can do surgery with. Well, can we stop the signal and give it more permanent? That could be six, that could be nine months or even longer of reasonable pain relief. Now, reasonable is 50% reduction, but that's a big impact on someone on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. So it depends how you approach it. And, and technology is helping us, Patricia, an awful lot as well. We're now having, you know, being able to implant electronic devices that can give us 24-7-7. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... There's a weak control. So for certain individuals, there's a huge array of options. And that's where that's where we fall down in the pain world, if you like. We, we don't get the story out enough to say, look, there are choices. We can work through this sequence. And what works for one individual may not be appropriate for the next. But well, it's creative thinking sometimes. It's about looking at what the options are and, and working through what the person is looking for back in their life some people want to be able to walk the dog other people do need to get back and drive the truck and drive the van to just sort of get their their business back in action
1: Well done, well done and Jill uh, suffers with lower back pain and I can see a number of people uh, saying uh, anything for lower back pain. Jill says she thinks it might be a slip disc but that's her diagnosing herself. She says how do you find out what exactly it is and what can be done for lower back pain? Everyone straight away assumes it's a slip disc isn't it? It's a sort of the answer to absolutely. everything.
0: Unfortunately it's the answer for everything absolutely and, and I suppose the biggest mistake is either self-diagnosing or Dr. Google isn't this? We all jump yeah. on board and we get these ideas uh, what, what that individual needs to do is, is basically have a very good discussion with either their primarily their GP or a physician who's, who's in the area, either a spinal surgeon or a pain physician like myself, you can make some very big assumptions and you could be completely off the mark. That lady could have facet joints, which are the joints around the disc, that are now having to work harder. So a disc in itself, if it's been there for a while, isn't usually very painful. That's usually in the early phase. That's the, that's the first couple of days and weeks. But after that, it's the tissue around it. And that's very much an area that you can work on. Something very simple like a day case injection to the region, the facet joints, or maybe just the muscle groups can really get you back on your on your feet. Can allow you to get back maybe to do some light Pilates, the physio work, back swimming, and by combi- combining strategies, you can really help an individual. So I- I'm exactly like you said that the the, the self diagnosing yeah. should really be put to the side. Ask someone who knows what, what can be done um, and that can be very useful. And it's amazing people come into me and they say they don't know where their pain is and I'll examine their back and they, we, we both go ouch and we find out that it's something that they thought was never sore in the first place and that was the source of their problem. So it's important to speak to the right people.
1: OK, Margaret has contacted She said, I have, is it lymphedema in one leg after a cancer operation? Is there anything oh. that can be done for that?
0: Um, two, two elements may not be completely my my area of expertise of the fl- the flowing and the holding up of the blood itself. Um, this would be a situation where probably medical medication might give her a sense of relief. Um, sometimes, without overstretching my expertise, taking the swelling down can control the, the nerve fibres and the small fibres in the limbs, so keeping the swelling low. I'd advise perhaps speaking with her physiotherapist to see if any uh, physical uh, wrapping techniques might be useful in that aspect to itself. Sometimes even a little bit of acupuncture can facilitate the backflow a little bit and just takes the edge off it. And and very often that's what patients are and, and individuals are looking for, Patricia. It's it's not a hundred percent. They'll they'll take thirty percent improvement to get going. And that can make a big difference on a day-to-day for an individual. So targets have to be set. And I would always set that for my my patients, saying, Look, what is a realistic goal here for the moment? Try and do your best. And and as you said at the start, sometimes you have to put a timeline on say, We'll aim for the next three to six months, what do we do? and move on from there. So it's, it's, build, it's a building process. It's a confidence building process as well. And once people start getting going, they, they're fantastic. They really can make the effort, but they do need the, 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 the kickstart sometimes. And they have to be proactive as well as in finding individuals who will help them.
1: OK, now I'm always afraid when somebody sends in a text with predictive text, if it's the right word or not, somebody says, I take, is it a humorous injection? Does that ring a bell with you? person takes this, it's obviously some kind of a pain relief every two weeks. I'll get three days relief that I'm crippled until I get the next injection.
0: I, I imagine, again, it sounds like a rheumatology-based uh, product itself as an antiferole or an anti-inflammatory, so I suspect it's rheumatology. Um, rheumatology and that level of, of pain when you're looking at broad elements, one has to sit with the individual and say, look, this is what the expectations are. Um, wh- what I would say briefly there, Whoever is prescribing and managing that may be very, very well worthwhile sitting with them and explaining to them what they're getting from it and see can the regime be looked at in some shape or format. That's very much a kind of a one-on-one basis. So I'd suggest that individual chat to the physician or the or, or your or your doctor who is working with you on that, outline what's happening. And maybe some tweaking can be done to, to get a little bit better from that aspect to itself. Or maybe there's a different option.
1: OK, here's another question. I'm a 35 year old. I had an operation on my shoulder 10 years ago when my ball and socket bone was shaved down and my bicep muscles burnt. Usually my shoulder is fine. But from September to March with the cold weather, my, shoulders, uh, my shoulder is so painful. My hands even turn purple. Is there anything that can be done to stop this?
0: Straight up, that, that's the, exactly the kind of person who, who does need to talk to a pain physician in that respect. Um, young person, 35, look, that's that's not, not on. Sounds to me like the nerve tissue just behind the shoulder area itself are under a lot of pressure. That's the brachial plexus. And when you get those cold changes happening in the hand, it tells me that the, the fine-tuning, the, the terminal switches uh, that give us that sensation are a m- misfiring some very simple injections too around those nerve fibers it might give that person a bit of relief and give the sense of control over the the winter period itself um, and again here's a situation where technology might be coming in because as you see there it's there's 24 7 that person might respond very well as a young individual, to see what would neural modulation or what we call controlling the fibres with electronics that they can literally turn on and turn off and control it on a day-to-day basis. So a very technical answer to to a a difficult question. But but there's help available. I mean, I'm
1: I'm just thinking, I mean, reading that man's text, you know, this, uh, this operation happened 10 years ago and obviously he's been suffering on through all of those winter months, thinking, well, I've had my operation, I just have to put up with this. And he really doesn't.
0: And he and he really shouldn't, and he shouldn't do that. And I agree. And I would be saying proactively have a chat with with your with his GP, and get to see someone who you know has this kind of a convers who can facilitate. Uh, then have that discussion and really do see what the options are. And sometimes, Patricia, it is a process from my point of view of actively doing something, doing an injection. Following the response, and then that can guide us what the next correct option would be and Very often, as I say to my patients when they come and see me, I say it opens up doors the minute I can sense that we 're on the right footpath, then we can we can really hunt that down along the way, and okay. that is the struggling bit for these people is to try and get on the right road from day off. And that's very, very important. So, you know, modern pain medicine has come on an awful lot in the last ten, fifteen years. And thankfully, and I'm, I'm always, you know, very positive and proactive about it. And I, I really like trying to help as much as we can with the improving people's quality of life. It's so it's it's so important, and the sooner the better. These people can help out. So I'll be very positive towards that that person.
1: Okay. And how help. how does one end up at at your door, the door of a, of a consultant in pain management? Is it a referral via, via GP?
0: That's the the most direct route is via GP. If they're working with another consultant, that can be another way of helping them. Sometimes, if they're working with physiotherapists, it's another way of of discussing with them what the options would be and to see what it would be. But the very uh, 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 simple thing sometimes is is to is to link up with a consultant, say what the problem is, and then the consultant will say, "Look, I think that's something we can help with. Please get me a referral." But the GP is the easy route to go through, okay. and uh, and it is it's important to raise it and go to the GP and say, "Look." I'm I'm not happy with this pain that's been going on too long at the moment. Can we get it looked into? And GPs will be delighted and GPs are very busy clinics at the moment. You know it. With all this COVID, there's such a backlog. We're suffering. People are sitting back there and it's been very good because people are saying, oh, it's just my shoulder. It's my back. I've had it forever. I would say not a reason COVID is not a reason why we should be sitting back now more than ever we should be proactive to try and get people right and get them into the workplace
1: do you know of any have patients ended up with pain as a result of contracting COVID-19
0: really interesting question and we're right in the middle of that I'm just actually reviewing an editorial that's going to be printed in about hopefully towards the end of the month in the British Journal of Anesthesia examining what the options are for rehabilitation. The work from where it started and from my colleagues in Italy and um, we've had a conference on it recently it is a problem. Most of the energy that we're spending at the moment is around the people who are in the intensive care setting so the the sicker of the sicker. However there's a the big proportion of people who were either admitted to hospital and went home or maybe suffered at home. And they've got massive amount of aches and pains, joint pain, myalgia, um, headaches and just tiredness and fatigue. And um, all of these are going to be a real challenge coming down the road. And we need to we need to think about it. I think we'd be able to offer things from a pain world because we're used to collaborating across different disciplines, such as, as physios, occupation therapists, gym work. Um, But we need to think about it. I think this is something that's going to come. And again, it perhaps is going to be in individuals who are otherwise fit and healthy and and able to do things. And the frustration of not being able to do that is going to be something we're going to have to cope with as well. So um, more than ever, the awareness of what's what's going on is very, very important. So I genuinely hope we don't, but I do suspect there's going to be an issue
1: and as you've outlined chronic pain can just be so debilitating so your message today dominic is don't suffer in silence help is available
0: help is available make the inquiries be become proactive and i, I would say the sooner the better Um why hang on to something that maybe somebody can really help you with and and chat there's no harm chatting um, and you're going to be helping yourself but you're going to help people around you your family as well the, these are the other people who suffer in silence watching people who are in agony they're frustrated as much as the individual with the pain so the impact when you take the pain away from someone around a family a cohort is so important and we all have loved ones who we hate seeing them sitting down and not being able to do things they were able to do before. So the impact all around. And I'd say to people who are watching people in pain, help them, m- encourage them, make sure that they do get speaking to the right people who can help them as well. So, you know, it's, a, it's an open door policy in the pain world always and uh, chase people down and anytime we can help, that's, that's the important thing, really.
1: Okay, well done, well done. And listen, thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us uh, today on the programme. Really
0: appreciate and, it. And thank you very much for bringing it up on your, on your show. It's very important that your audience... To know what can be done.
1: Thank you for that. Thank you. enjoyed our chat. Good morning to you. That is uh, Dr. Dominic Hegarty who is a consultant in pain management at the Martyr Private in Cork.